welcome to the Blue and White Brothers, the podcast all about Penn State football. Conversation and commentary from a fan perspective. I'm Tom Gaffman. And I'm Andy Gaffman. And we are the Blue and White Brothers. Two brothers, two takes, one team. Well, bro, this is it, man. It is Michigan week, and um, in a lot of ways, the season... Uh, at least our big hopes and expectations for the season are coming down to this. It's it's here, man, and it's here. and we we had a big disappointment after that Ohio State week. Uh, we had a rough couple of weeks after that. We got back on track against Maryland. Now we really get to see what kind of team this is. That the, the, the final test is not really the final because I got a couple more games, but really, you know, this is the big exam to see if Penn State can play with the big boys. Um. And typically, big boys play at night <laughs> and not <laughs> noon. Um, but Fair you know, point. Franklin did mention in his presser today. He's like, sometimes he's like that. Uh, that, that those later starts can be a little sleepier than than a noon start, especially for a home game. I would imagine. But because I will say on the road, Franklin's eleven and noon starts have looked as sleepy as sleepy can be. So, but he was trying to make the the remark that like, hey, we're good with a noon kickoff here on this. So I'll take his word for it for now. We'll we'll see if. Penn State can get off to a fast start against those Wolverines, and we'll talk about it moving forward for sure. I will say after that Ohio State game, although I I didn't love that it was a noon game just in terms of it didn't seem to have the kind of energy that you would like to have in the college football world, but I did a lot of rage chores afterward, and it helped me to like work out my- On the same day after the game. Yeah, exactly. As opposed to having to go to bed. So that's the glass half full about the kickoff time (laughs) against a team where you might lose. I'll take a win any time of day, but if we're going to lose, I'd rather lose at- you know, by 3 p.m. So I can find a way to work it out the rest of the day. So, uh, <laughs> but rage anyway, I, I, I rage watched uh, more games. That's what I do. It's like, why can't we do that? Like all these teams that get like, you know, like, you know, upsetting top 10 teams. Like, why can't that be us? And it, you're like the, you're like the person who's like, has the hangover and then drinks alcohol the next morning to help it feel better. Cause it works. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hair of the dog is an age-old uh, adage, and That is, yeah, so the, the rest of the football uh, Saturday is your hair of the dog for a bad Penn State loss. I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, right. So, so you, you know, <laughs> um, I, I, it just, it just, you know, when you see these other teams upsetting top 10 teams, you want to know why those up those top 10 teams are getting upset? It's because they're overlooking those teams. Like, you know who doesn't get overlooked? Penn State. Penn State, yeah. You know, we because we've got a – people are aware of us. We play Ohio State close every year and nearly beat them, and then that one time we did. But Michigan, we go back and forth with them, uh, especially pre-cheating scandal. Um, In fact, (laughs) uh, Franklin was 3-1 and against Harbaugh before the cheating scandal started. Or, sorry, I should say they were 3 and one uh, after the 2016 uh, beatdown that Michigan put on us in the yeah. in Ann Arbor. That's what I meant. So, and then those cheating scandals started, and then everything started changing. 
All right, moving forward. Yeah, well, we might <laughs> have an opportunity. We've got a target on our back in a lot of a lot of these games, and, and I, it, I think it's fair point. Yeah, it's a fair. So point. that's all I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, well, look, we um, have a couple of things to do today. One of them is uh, to go into the mailbag and uh, respond to some some of the comments and questions there. Um, we are going to scout that Michigan team um, and probably talk a little bit about some of the off-field stuff as well. We're going to try not to get too far into the weeds because, uh, again, as James Franklin mentioned in his press conference, it's, it really doesn't it doesn't do you a lot of good uh, to, to to worry about all that stuff. you got to deal with what you find on the field. Um, uh, and then uh, Joel's going to help us go by the numbers. Um, as we get into the episode, want to remind everyone to subscribe or follow on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. Uh, share us with your Penn State friends. It's another big week. And uh, hey, find a, help a friend find Blue and White Brothers. I'm sure they'll thank you for it later. Um, want to ask you if you like the podcast to write a review, give us a rating um, so other people can find us. And uh, hey, don't forget to send us an email so we can uh, talk about it in the mailbag, which which we're going to open up right now. Mailbag time. <laughs> well, uh, we've got two mailbag entries today. Uh, one from a regular contributor, Shane Dowd, and uh, he sends an email with the subject line, A Fool's Hope. <laughs> um, which I think he uh, he was paying attention to the the last episode when we were talking about how much hope we have for the rest of the season and a little uh, it is but a fool's hope <laughs> a little a little Lord of the Rings reference yeah um, and he by the way begins, the fool's hope worked in Lord of the Rings by the exactly, way okay exactly all right carry on <laughs> uh, he begins by saying gents my optimism is tempered for this one even if we make the argument that Penn State is one of the best teams and the loudest environment that Michigan will have to play in yet this year. My question is, have we really turned a corner? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks for writing in Shane. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, all right. Um, the way I want to, I haven't read this and I'm just now thinking about how to, how to turn the corner on this. Um, <laughs> Well, look, you know, when Ganoff was sitting there, <laughs> uh, we okay. Here, here's what we really need, you know. In that, in the movie, they're like, well, you know, like, well, we have a wizard, you know. <laughs> That's right. We need a wizard. We yeah. need Drew Allard to be the wizard, you mm. know. We really do. Like that's actually what Gus Johnson, who's calling the game this weekend because it's a oh boy. big noon kickoff. Gus Johnson used to call uh, Trace McSorley the Wizard. At least he did in the Big Ten title game. Um, and like that's because he made magic happen a lot of times. Trace did, and and like <laughs> that's how we. If we're turning the corner, like we saw signs of it with Drew and Dante and, and, and Keandre Lambert-Smith, we didn't talk about him a lot. He had 95 yards receiving, and he had 12 targets with eight catches and you know didn't, didn't get a touchdown, but it's because Dante Sivas stepped up and um, was catching some of those wizard firebolts, you know, thunderbolts, whatever you want to call them. Like, <laughs> we, we have to have Drew Aller live up to that five-star... Yeah, like, difference maker. I, I you need a difference I don't need maker. him to win the Heisman Trophy, which is what J.J. McCarthy is attempting to do at this juncture. Um, I just need him on one this this one Saturday 
you know, play like like throw the ball like it it was still you know down at um I forget what the name of the the school is that he Medina I think it's Medina or Medina yeah, yeah. Ohio he I mean that dude was just chucking the ball over the field with like you know without a care in the world is what that tape looks like and that's the way he said he was he's been playing since that interception against Indiana so as far as turning the corner you can point to signs of how we're doing that in the at the tail end of that Indiana game and throughout that that Maryland game you can point to signs as to how we are going to be capable of beating um, Michigan, that like the signs are there, and we know how we need to do it. We need to play a great defense. We need to make take up, you know, you know, playing smart football in key situations and not creating dumb penalties. And Aller needs to live up. He has to do it because I don't think our run game is going to do. It. I mean, we're going to get important yards from Katron Allen and maybe a maybe maybe a miracle splash play from Nick Singleton, but it's got it's going to fall on Drew to move the ball down the field because because that was the difference in that Ohio State game is how badly we couldn't move the ball down the field. All right, so that that is the the key way that we're going to go up against a potentially even better defense than Ohio State and ideally. Our offense has grown up and learned some things. Both the offensive coordinator has learned some things about how to game plan and game scheme and prepare, and and Drew Aller knows how to, um, you know, attack the day. Uh, you know, not playing loose, not playing to to not lose the game, being able to like have confidence in himself. You know, that that game after the Ohio State game, Drew was like visibly emotionally shook. Visibly emotionally shook, and even in that Indiana game, like on the sidelines, like looking kind of you know distraught, and and uh, you know after some plays, like he's uh, feels like a different like person has come out of that he's molted that like fre- freshman like layer off of him now that he's had some experiences that got him a little dirty and a little you know it didn't break him it didn't break him but he, but you grow from your worst moments those are the biggest learning experiences in a young quarterback's career you got to go through those and, and that's that's my quick and down dirty answer to Shane Dowd's <laughs> question yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Shane. I appreciate you writing in. Well, wait, um, wait, 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 Andy. What's your two minute tangent on the matter? Oh, wow. No, you did such a great job. <laughs> but do you agree with it or do you have your own couple of little tidbits you want to add? In on no, that? I mean, I definitely I, I agree with with everything you said. hundred um, percent. I would just add that, like the the real response to whether or not we've turned a quarter is going to be seen in that Michigan game. You know, I I think there are signs, like you said, that we have turned the corner. Drew's turned a corner. Um, You know, I would say, you know, Nick Singleton, he actually had a really big splash play against Maryland. It was in the return game. He returned a kick out to pass midfield. Fair point. You know, so, um, and, you know, Catron Allen That was to start the second half, too. And Catron Allen had, um, you know, nearly a hundred yards on the day. And, um, uh, you know, by the way, you know, we've been talking about is Catron Allen going to start seeing the lion's share of the carries, uh, Franklin mentioned in his press conference, they're going to continue to split the two. They like that plan. And so I, I wouldn't, I would not expect, uh, to see Catron taking, you know, anything close to like the majority of the carries, but, you know, we're going to need a great run game. We're going to need Drew to play a wizard-like game, and we're going to need our defense to play their best game of the season as well. I think the signs are there, but you know, saying it is one thing, showing it against Maryland thing, Maryland is one thing. 
doing it against Michigan, the number three team in the country. Uh, that's an entirely different thing. And um, we will find out if they have turned the corner. It's going to be exciting, and I'm looking forward to it. So that's my answer to your right. answer. Very uh, well. And again, thanks, Shane, for writing in. <laughs> um, we have a second time write-in from Cody from Pittsburgh. Uh, Cody, thanks for writing in. And, and you know, I, I was so uh, excited to get Cody's entry last time. I didn't mention the fact that Cody actually is uh, a great friend of the podcast. Yeah. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's one of the boys. Yeah. And uh, was really excited that he wrote in last time. And he must have enjoyed the experience so much. He's written in again. Um, he starts with the comment, uh, really solid win in College Park, and happy to see the receiving core stepped up. Big helmet sticker game for Cephas. Welcome to the party, sir. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he goes on to say, uh, here's your question uh, with a little bit of a lead up. After weeks of anticipation, we finally saw the real deal Bo Prabula package. I was starting to doubt if it was a real thing or not, at least before the fourth quarter. However, I couldn't believe that the first attempt, they took our best player off the field. <laughs> Speaking of Drew Aller. Yeah. Thankfully, we corrected on the next play and had both number nine and number 15 in the game. I'm interested to know your thoughts on that play series and the potential impact against the Wolverines this week. So let's let's break that play down again. You know, Bo snapped, uh, took the snap uh, in the shotgun, right? Yeah. And then was going to run like it was like a, a off tackle run and had like, like a, a sweep lead. left or something. Yeah, like that. exactly. And then Drew Aller was out there at wide receiver, and he was coming uh, and, back. And he was coming back like, almost like an end around or yep. or, or a reverse, rather a reverse. Uh huh. And and obviously with with number fifteen being the guy, you're like, oh, he's pitching it to him, and then he's going to throw it. Maryland actually defended it very well. They sniffed it out. Yeah, and. Only by uh, Theo Johnson's quick, like, he was just kind of, like, lingering around the line of scrimmage, but no one was near him. And he realized that, like, oh, crap, like, Drew Aller's about to get sacked for a loss, which is, like, typical of our, you know, <laughs> trick, plays. trick plays over the years. I can't remember many that were, like, you know, working to perfection. We haven't had too many Philadelphia specials. No. Philly special. Don't you dare Excuse call me. it full-blown Philadelphia. I, I'm more formal. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> Philadelphia that, that, special. That Penn State English, um, you know, major education. Would you like a Philadelphia cheesesteak? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. No. Um, anyway, so, so like Theo was the one that really allowed that to happen because he like broke away from the rest of the, the cl clutter of players and was just standing alone right in the goal line. And I, it, and Drew, and of course, you know, optimistic Drew was able was able to keep his eyes down the field, you know, while you know while he was basically getting taken down for a sack, got rid of it in enough time before his knees went down, and it was it ended up being just an incredible play, but absolutely not the way you draw it up. So so you know I, you know not to cut you off any about what you want to say about it, but as far as the, the uh, doing this against Michigan, I have like a. I do not feel good about it. I mean, dude, we tried to do another Keandre Lambert Smith pass um, on the day against Maryland, and those have not looked good, dude. Keandre Lambert Smith missed uh, streaking um, wide open, 
Was it? It wasn't. It wasn't Tyler, Tyler Warren. Warren. It wasn't yeah, Tyler. It was. Okay. Uh, Wide that open. Would, that could have been a, a touchdown there, and like K- KLS just hasn't been able to figure out how to make the and the rest of the team hasn't fi- been able to figure out how to make that. By the way, um, Cody actually brought up that play. He oh, said, does he? Um, yeah, he said, "What's Mike Yersich's fetish with having receivers throw passes?" Yeah. At this point, it's not a wrinkle; it's almost a feature. Why in the world would you not use Prabula for these types of plays? Uh, yeah, that's a great, that's a great point. That, that, that actually <laughs> is the way you should be running those plays is bringing Bo, Bo out. Who, Bo could be a wide receiver. Bo could and be he a could tight run, end. Bo could he be could a, run the, he the, could be a running you know, back. the screen. Yeah. Like he didn't have to, he wouldn't have to throw it. It could be an option for him to throw Bo it or is run an it. Athlete. I, I, to, sir, they're certainly not using him like a quarterback too much. They run a completely different offense when Bo is in the game than, than when Drew is in the game, which by the way is a totally different subject that uh, that really grinds my gears um <laughs> but yeah I, I think that's a really good point cody that that yeah that like the the Bo perbula package i don't know what we want to call it but uh, you know it's not a lion package really because they're not running the lion with him when the game's in question um they're basically just running the lion with him you know when the, ga- the game is mop-up duty um uh, so let me just jump in on the um on the play that got the touchdown. Sure. Uh, first of all, I really liked the fact that you had Drew and Bo in the game at the same time. Um, I like the the question marks that it that it leaves for you. I think you know you were describing how the play was unfolding, and as Drew gets the ball, there was supposed to be a tight end releasing um, off to the right hand side, which Tyler Warren was, but he was double covered, and there was somebody had. A defender had gotten through the line and and basically met um, you know Drew Aller in the backfield, um, and so yeah, it was Drew's quick thinking that kept that from being a blown play. To um, so it was sniffed out and to, executed to, poorly, basically. I think so on, on both <laughs> counts. Um, I do think, however, that Tyler, I mean, excuse me, um, that Theo Johnson was the second option on the play. I don't think Very that possible. was like a backyard ball. I think he was an an outlet potentially, um, you know, the second read effectively. So, uh, you know, obviously I, he was, he was, a, he was a, a player who was allowed to catch the ball. He wasn't like staying in and blocking. Like he was an eligible receiver, right? Yeah, he so. was. And I think, I think he was probably a legit second option on the play. Um, but, you know, I think for me um, to, to Cody's second part of the question, like what, what's, you know, this mean for the impact against the Wolverines. I think it was very intentional that we put both our quarterbacks on the field against Maryland. We did not need to do that. You know, I think it was specifically to give Michigan some extra stuff to think about. I don't know that we'll run this play, but I think we're taking up time in Michigan's game prep. And I think that's a big reason why we did that. Um, I would be interested to see, you know, more in more ways of, of, of running a bow and drew package. That would be really kind of, you know, it's like the, um, Taysom Hill package, uh, you know, with the saints. Like, I, I think you have some options if you, if you do it right, but, uh, it didn't feel quite right. Let me, <laughs> let me Maryland. offer, let me offer this up. Um, as far as ways to use Bo Perbula that n- aren't necessarily this formation that we ran to, to get that touchdown miraculously. Um, I think, you know, maybe like you split 
um, Drew Aller out wide alone off to whether whatever the the near side of the field is, whatever that near side is, you you split uh, Bo, uh, Drew out by himself, and then you have Bo Perbula, um under center, or I mean not under center, but you know taking the snap. Um, and you have Nick Singleton back there, um, and maybe it's the the T formation um, to have uh, Ktron out there as a uh, Ktron out there as a blocker. But you, what you should run is the power or speed option with Nick Singleton. But that's how you get Nick Singleton out in space, and you use Bo Pribula as a guy that, like, if he keeps the ball. He can actually like you know fake the pitch to Nick, make you know make all the defenders lose a half a step, and then he jukes inside and goes and up the field for like five, ten, fifteen plus yards. The guy can run the ball very effectively. He's very quick, and he can he can drag tacklers with him too. Like that to me is how you you can utilize not just Bo's strengths, but also Nick Singleton um, in a mismatch out in space. We have not been able to get Nick Singleton in space. He hasn't shown himself to be a super reliable. Um, pass catcher, and that's the other way you hope to get him involved in, in the game out in space is pa- catching the ball in the flats, or it just hasn't really materialized to being something super reliable. But dude, we do you remember the years with Zach um, Mills, and we used to run the the option, especially with yeah, Larry man. Johnson, like Good that. Old days. <laughs> that was a way that we were able to maul people in the run department. And it's like if there was ever a time for like a wrinkle of run, of how to get yards in the ground and giving Michigan something they haven't seen before, like I, I don't know, like like you're not using Bo as a passing quarterback. Really, like you have not been you even in mop up duty, you haven't forced him to like figure out in real game situations how to pass the ball in in the same Drew Aller offense. So I, that that's just a way to me that you can kind of give a wrinkle towards Michigan and, and you know something that haven't something that hasn't been on tape at all. And, and, and the way you make it look like it's something that has been shown on tape is you know you have both quarterbacks at the same time and Drew's just a decoy out there. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I similar on the, on the of, other uh, side of the field where he's not going to get hurt. By the way, right, right. <laughs> uh, so, you know, similar line of thinking of like, um, you know, how, how do you have some other formations? Um, we did some interesting things with the T formation where we started in the T formation and then flanked the tight ends out uh, to either end. Yeah, and and we actually ran a couple of short yardage pass plays. And I wonder about putting Bo Perbula in something like that where he's in the tight end spot and then maybe he fakes into the flat for like a, you know, a halfback pass kind of thing. And then, you know, that ends up, I don't know, maybe you don't, maybe you fake the pass to Bo Perbula and then you find someone else wide open. But, you know, I think anytime you get the two quarterbacks on the field, you definitely create the sense of, wait a second, what's going on? Everyone's on alert and you can use that to create confusion. Um, I just don't think it was well executed in this I also am not one. sure Mike Yursich is the the right offensive coordinator to be exploiting a, a defense like Michigan. You know, That's fair. I, I I don't I'm not I, like I'd love to see it. I just don't know if he's going to do the outsmarting. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, it was um, against Michigan that we ran. Saquon Barkley in the Wildcat, we debuted that, and he went for a touchdown. Yeah, you know, that's a really on, good point, Andy. Unlike his first snap, so um, you know, it would be really, really nice to get some you know scores out of some wrinkles. Like if Michigan's <laughs> yeah. the kind of 
the Michigan's like that's the kind of game where it could really make a difference, and uh, we certainly didn't well, get that so against the, Ohio State. That was back when a- Connor Steins was uh, was just a volunteer, <laughs> and they they couldn't figure out those signs because we hadn't shown those signs <laughs> before. Right. Um, but by the second half, they had figured out those signs because that game was a twenty-one to nothing blowout to start, and then they came back. Uh, we only won twenty-eight to 20, 21, hanging on by the skin of our skin teeth. They almost scored at the end of the game to tie it up, yeah. or maybe go, maybe win it. I don't know. Yeah, um, well, um, thanks, Cody, for writing in. Appreciate the uh, lively conversation oh, by the way, that you're... Yeah, sorry, I confused the Saquon game. That was 2017, and then the 2019 game was um, Connor Stallions one. and the close yeah. one. My my apologies. We blew we blew Michigan out in the, the Saquon 2017 game. Anywho, yeah. uh, thanks, Cody. Um, my bad, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for writing <laughs> in, man. That's it. a good question, really good question. And that'll do it for the mailbag. Um, now we're going to take a turn to that Michigan game. Oh, my goodness. It's finally here. We get to talk about it. We've already been talking about it, actually. Uh, we talked about it in the mailbag. How do you know? Uh, we talked Maryland's about it after, over. <laughs> we talked about it through the Maryland episode, but now we get to really talk about it for real. Um, this game is coming up this Saturday. Uh, November 11th has been circled in my mind since, you know, the off season as the big, big game, uh, Michigan at home. Um, it's Fox big noon kick. Don't we love that? James Franklin apparently doesn't hate it. Um, appreciate the, appreciate the change in perspective from our optimism. (laughs) I like it. It it works for me, but, um, nonetheless, Gus Johnson and Joel Klatt will be on the call. Um, you know, Michigan is favored, but not by as much as you'd think. Uh, Vegas only has Michigan by three and a half. I guess probably depends on which outlet you're looking at. FPI, our our beloved FPI from ESPN, they are actually giving Penn State a ever so slight 50.7% chance to Which win. Which means we're ranked ahead of them in the FPI, by the way. Penn State is like fourth in the FPI. Well, that sounds reasonable to me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we were like, it, it's it's such a weird metric. I don't even know what he understands. Everybody makes no. it. We don't get it. Um, you know, this game is being played at Beaver Stadium. It's the biggest home game of the year for sure. Um, I don't know if there are going to be any outs. Is it the uh, is it the stripe out game or something like that? That, that might make sense because uh, that'll look good uh, during the day. Um, Tom's looking that up right now. But, um, Am I? And, are you? <laughs> no, nah, maybe you're not. No, I'm not. <laughs> Um, but we expect it to be a good home crowd either way, whatever colors they're wearing. Um, AccuWeather is calling for a somewhat chilly day, but not too bad for mid-November. High of 47 That's warm as far as I'm concerned, man. Intervals of cloud and sunshine. Especially when that sunshine's in, 47 is going to feel incredible. That's a nice day. That's a nice day. Might want to bring a jacket, but still, uh, 10 to 12 mile an hour winds from the west-northwest, uh, dress warmly. Um, but, um... Yeah, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a great day for football. Probably not gonna be a significant weather factor on the day. Um, we received some really uh, helpful updates from James Franklin uh, in terms of personnel. He's hopeful that Chop Robinson and uh, Amen Vanover are gonna be able to return to the field to have two of our top four defensive ends, including our top defensive end on the field during Michigan is, is going to be great. And uh, some interesting news that Sean Lee, speaking of uh, excellent defenses, uh, he's been named the honorary captain for the game. Um, and, uh, you know, I've been starting to do this as we've been going into, um, you know, sort of the last gasp of the Big Ten East. Bro, the next time we play Michigan after this, not until 
2026. So we got a two-year break from Michigan. How do you feel yeah. about that? Um, I, I, like, it, it's just what you get when you're bringing in more teams to the conference, so I get it. Um, I'm fine with it because I don't want to play Ohio State and Michigan every single year for now until the end of eternity. Like, it's, <laughs> you got to have some some revolving, like, teams come in and out. Like, it's just, it's got to happen. So, uh, I'm fine with that. Um, I, I, if I'm going to choose to play anyone year in and year out, I'd rather play Ohio State because they're our border rival. Like, it just kind of, like, feels like it's a better game by and large. Like, a lot of these games with Michigan kind of, like, it's it's either been super one-sided for a long stretch of years. You know, like, Michigan went on a long stretch, and then we, like, won four in a row. and then But then it's kind of been trading home teams. Um, so, it's no one – and they've been blowouts by the home team by and large. So, it's it's whatever. Like I I don't care. It's 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 uh really what I what I care about is it's the last chance for Penn State to shove it down Jim Harbaugh's throat <laughs> for being a cheating son of a gun. You know, <laughs> yeah. like the whole Big Ten is wanting Penn State to like shut Jim Harbaugh up. And now we don't even know if Jim Harbaugh's going to be in the sidelines. There's kind of conjectures and rumors about is he going to get suspended this week, which we'll, I think we're going to find out by like Wednesday or Thursday, no less than. Um, but kind of news out on that is that um, that, that the president um, of Michigan is like vehem- vehement. Say it. Say it. How do I say it? Vehemently. Vehemently. Thank you. Um, like defending. Vehemently. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, defending Michigan, defending Harbaugh, you know, wanting to see due process, and that the newest word out is that um, if the Big Ten steps in, and um, you know they got thirteen coaches and thirteen um, ads pushing brand new Tony Petiti to to do something about this cheating. Like there's there's evidence according to these schools that they've submitted that there's cheating going on, and like like you got to do something about this. This team's playing for a Big Ten title, playing for a national title this year like how is that allowed to be happening and the the latest word is that okay well if you want to do that before due process with the ncaa we'll go ahead and sue your butts so yeah that's um, quite a stance uh you know from one conference member to the rest of the conference that's really uh Wow, you know, I mean, and like having been uh, a member of a, a of a fan base who's been you know under scandal and like with the eyes of the college football world turned against you, you you understand that that sort of circle the wagons mentality. Um, but it really feels like there's uh, like a, a total lack of perspective, not only from uh, the the Michigan fan base, but also from the entire. Uh, university apparatus, you know, um, but so there, just while we're on this subject and let's go ahead and talk about this scandal for just a little bit. Okay. There are a couple of things that broke this week uh, among them. Uh, Connor stallions was fired actually, or wait, no, he resigned. There's yeah. The report was that he was fired. And I wonder if Michigan was like, Ooh, the firing looks bad. We should just say he resigned and then let him fall on his own sword. Um, you know, there were a couple of conference calls with, um, both the coaches, football coaches and, uh, uh Tony Patetti and the TD Petiti Patetti. You say Patetti. I say Petiti. Yeah. You said, uh, you said, uh, I'm an, and it's a mean Vanover. So get it right. Wait, you're, you're yeah, coaching I'm, me on how to pronounce names. I'm schooling names. you, not just coaching, <laughs> schooling you. Anyway, um, both the coaches as well as the athletic, athletic directors, two separate calls with the conference commissioner, 
er, strongly urging Michigan was not part of this part. Uh, they Michigan was not part of those calls, uh, and these. Uh, other Big Ten uh, players were strongly urging action from the Big Ten because of just how egregious the um, effects on field are. So a, a lot of pressure. And Michigan, as you said, is now pushing back strongly and saying, hey, uh, don't rush to judgment. They put out a public letter uh, by the university president. Don't rush to judge it, judgment. Let the process play out. And now apparently there are these rumors that if the Big Ten unilaterally does sanction Michigan or Harbaugh, then they will take uh, legal action. And so um, there's a there's a whole swirling um, kind of uh, back picture here, but oh, and on know, top I, of it, today Harbaugh has come out with pictures of him with Ric Flair, Nature Boy <laughs> from the the old WWE, and gosh. everybody knows that Ric Flair was regarded as the dirtiest player in the game, and <laughs> people are like, all right, you know, like like if I'm like being outed as a cheater, the last thing I'm trying to do is hang out with somebody dubbed the dirtiest player in the game. And for and uh, Harbaugh re- reveres him as one of his best friend, one of his greatest and closest friends, and yeah. So it's just another little added element of of like guilt by association, maybe. Yeah, what's going on over well, there? Look, you in know, the it, it, corn and blue. So you know, Jim Harbaugh has always had a little <laughs> corn and blue. That's what they are. They don't want to be uh, yellow. They want to be corn. <laughs> we'll let him. We'll let him be corn. In this day and age, you can be whatever you want. You can be corn. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, I mean, you know, Jim Harbaugh, he's always we've always looked at him as, as kind of a an oddball. You know, uh, I mean Yeah. Sleepovers he, with kickers. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, but um, you know wearing th- this, receiver gloves throughout every single game, e- weird. Cleats during the game, weird. You know, definitely. <laughs> Catching balls in nothing but khakis, uh, while his ghostly um pigment is, you know, blinding people, blinding lenses, you know, of the paparazzi. Yeah. <laughs> weird. <laughs> we can go but, on. <laughs> but you know, you never you never really had the sense that he was, you know, outright cheating, you know, and even now no one's come out and said, oh, Jim Harbaugh has known this. He has orchestrated. Nothing like that has come to light. But it, you know, in spite of his weirdness, like Jim Harbaugh is the uh, hands down through and through Michigan man. He is the man who was brought in to bring Michigan back to glory. He was a quarterback under both Shem Beckler. Stop at nothing to get it done. Well, I mean, right. <laughs> like, by the way, did you know that Jim Harbaugh finished third in the Heisman trophy voting the same year Vinny Testaverde won it? How cute. He's tired. Uh, you know what, Andy? He's tired of being a bridesmaid. Best. He's tired of it. He's tired well, of it. Well, Couldn't you know, win I the mean, Super Bowl. You know, you know, he couldn't beat he his played, brother, his his big brother. <laughs> he played football for Mike Ditka. Yeah, uh, he 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 coached at Stanford and then went to the NFL and 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 lost to his brother in the Super Bowl. I mean, he's an accomplished coach, an accomplished player. He's a quarterback whisperer, and allegedly. and he had a little bit of trouble his first couple years in the big 10 but now he's on a run you know he's he went undefeated last year in the regular season won the big 10 championship game uh lost a heartbreaker to tcu which now feels like hey tcu was tipped off that there's a sign stealing thing and guess what 
Michigan did when they didn't know mm-hmm. TCU signs. Maybe that's how they lost it. Um, but um, and now they're undefeated regular season. Well, now. Connor Stallions no. couldn't travel during COVID to Michigan's two and four disaster, and Michigan pulled the plug on playing the game at the end of the season to go two and five. He was he had to rewrite his contract for him to take a pay cut after that disastrous year. That by the way, what was um, we were three and one. Uh, against Harbaugh, Sean Clifford was two and zero against Harbaugh from 2017 to 2020. We were three and one against Harbaugh. Sean Clifford was undefeated against Harbaugh. Connor Steins couldn't make that 2020 um, year, you know, because of travel issues. And then you know, he's like you said, he's tired of not beating Ohio State. Tired of coming in second, third, fourth fiddle, whatever it is. And, you know, then he, you know, with the same types of recruits, no crazy um, first, you know, recruiting class in the country kind of um, recruiting efforts going on. He goes on a two-season-long undefeated tear, you know, minus the CFP games, of course, which were both disastrous for him and JJ. (laughs) Um, Uh, Look, look, correlation does not mean causation, right? Like, like, okay, Connor Stallions was on staff. Sure. During this time, and they are undefeated during this time, does that mean one has led to the other? <laughs> Can you prove it, bro? But that's uh, a very strong correlation. It's a very strong circumstantial well, listen, evidence. I don't think anyone's going to say that Michigan sucks. Like, And the people that are are like the Ohio State fans, the angry Penn State fans, the angry fans in general who are just like, you know, using whoever as a punching bag for their own, you know, shortcomings or whatever it is. But like, um, Michigan has good players. JJ McCarthy is playing well. Like, it's not like that simply is a full 180. If you are, or aren't cheating, it's just like, you know, if like, so, but, but you know, 2020 two and four season, Let's call that that was an a D effort, a D level grade uh, on the season, if not worse, if not failing, probably failing. That's but, a failing grade for but, sure. You know, but that's the culmination of a, of uh, frankly going three and one between two two thousand seventeen and twenty twenty against Harbaugh, three and one. Okay, um, so then Harbaugh get, then figures out how to get the answers to the test, and he goes from being a D or F student to an A plus across the board. You know, dude, if I'm a D student and I ought, ought, you know, like, you know, I go through and like become a perfect student and perfect test taker, like, do, wouldn't you think something is up if all the other things basically stayed the same? Like, it's just way, it's what you, you, those kinds of swings are, especially with Ohio State sitting there, Ohio State almost beat Georgia last year in the, in the, the first round. And then Michigan clunks it to TCU. And TCU, by the way, which has fallen off to be a yeah, sub-500 team and this Michigan, year. To your point, Michigan obliterated Ohio State the last two years. Right, right. The answers to the test against a team that basically has had Michigan's number and Harbaugh's number for a, for a very, very long time. Yeah. Like, it just feels... You know, and obviously feelings don't matter. You know, they, they like, but then again, so Connor Connor Steins falls on his own sword, and he says uh, the coaches had nothing to do with it. When there's this video evidence of like him being right beside the DCs and right beside Harbaugh and right beside the OC, and like the sheet that shows all these signals, arm signals, 
And and it's just like you can see that they're all just waiting for on the sidelines for Connor Stallions to, to make the call, and then everybody starts going crazy once Connor Stallions tells you what the play is that, that the other team called. It's like you know it, it is it, beyond. And and the Purdue head coach, um, the new guy is Ryan Walters, I think, at Purdue, the former Illinois DC. Um, he's like, hey, listen, like I, his his words were, hey, you know, like when they were like, hey, wh- why why did you feel the need to to like come out and say this stuff against Michigan? He's like, well, I just call it a spade a spade. Like those were his exact words about Michigan and the sign stealing and and you know, like how would a the head coach of Michigan, a guy like Harbaugh, who probably has to know everything about his team because he's insane he's a psychopath <laughs> um you know and he has this guy his other psychopath working under him you know manipulating like all these teams behind their backs including allegedly giving uh south carolina tennessee's play calls because he went and scouted tennessee and south carolina like somehow out of the blue murders a Tennessee team that has been lighting other people up, including Alabama. This is all last year. So it's just like, how would a guy like Harbaugh not know that this one guy has all the answers? Like in all your time of coaching, have you ever had a guy who had all the answers? Like, come on, Jim. Like you, you def- like if if Jim quote unquote had did not know and had you know what we regard as plausible deniability, it's knowing plausible deniability. Like he literally knows he has plausible den- deniability because like he does like you know turn your back like you let it happen behind your back and you know what's going on but you don't actually know every th- little detail. Like that's plausible deniability and it's like that's how the king gets to keep. You know, stay on the throne. So, you know, again, just to reiterate, as far as we've heard, there's no direct evidence linking Jim Harbaugh to either knowing about or directing this kind of activity. He said that in his first statement when this first broke. There's nothing to suggest otherwise. Yeah, they're going to be paying Connor Steins for years to fall on that sword. You know, Tom and I are not aware of any evidence that suggests otherwise. This is obviously all inference uh, based on the circumstantial evidence that we're seeing. Um, But, you know, it is interesting that Michigan is taking such a strong stance uh, against any kind of sanctions because the truth is there's public evidence that shows that this has obviously happened to things that are that at least Connor Stallions has done things that are in clear violation of NCAA bylaws and that Michigan's program has at, at, a, at a minimum permitted this kind of clear cheating, which has had clear on the field results uh, in their favor. So, um, you know, I, I think it is kind of rich for Michigan to kind of get up their defenses and kind of circle the wagons and say, Hey, we're innocent here in this. And let's, let's not rush to judgment. I mean, to, to me, I think, um, and there are a couple of folks in the, in the media, Joel Clapp being one of them. Hey, we need to wait and see how this thing plays out and, you know, let the process complete, you know, NCAA investigation. Oh yeah. You think years. Fox wants to burn like one no, of the biggest of cash cows? Not. Of course, Joel's being directed by Fox like executives to 
to, to uh, you know, due process. And I mean, it's not wrong to, to wait on due process for sure. But like, but this is Fox has a vested clear. interest in Michigan being like a blue blood, you know, champion. Yeah, obviously. I mean, they're, you know, Fox being the Big Ten's primary backer is, is, is salivating over the fact that you've got two teams potentially again for a second year in a row being in the, uh, the CFP. But, um, you know, I think the reason why you have to take fast action on this is because it's having a real time effect on games in this very season. It's absolutely painted Michigan's, um, you know, the integrity of their game and the results and, um, to let Michigan go forward. And speaking of <laughs> and, tainted, speaking of tainted, Andy, Michigan has their own investigation going on about how this, <laughs> all this information has where been did getting it all come leaked from? and the, 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 they're looking for dirt on Ryan day because allegedly, allegedly. there is a connection between this investigative private investigative firm up in New Hampshire, which is where. Um, Brian Day is from and where a family member still lives. Uh, he went to college at University of New Hampshire and apparently his brother's up there, maybe connected to a, a private investigative private investigator firm. Um, now, I don't think there's to this juncture there's been any true evidence that... Uh, there has been no hard journalistic reporting right, but it, but that's, about... That, that's this the is nature all like, of the Michigan-Ohio This State. is all conspiracy theory, uh, you know, in the, in the far well, it reaches is until of the... Well, it is until it's not, right? Well, you know, I'm people, just people saying. People are thinking that this whole cheating thing is conspiracy theory stuff. Well, in my mind, that would be a really wonderful two-bird with one stone, <laughs> you know, to just like see both of these programs like kind of tear each other apart and have a have a glorious scandal. That would be that would be this really is just uh, really uh, like if I'm oh, Tony Petiti, um, I'm just like, what in the I didn't heck sign up for this <laughs> is going on with my two best programs? Yeah, like you know the the the, the crown jewels of the Big Ten currently. It's like why. Why why does it have to come to this? Like cheating is wrong. And by the way, if he's got evidence that they cheated and don't and they don't like like let him let let Michigan sue. Let Michigan sue. Like if the evidence points to them having cheated, they have nothing to stand on then. Yeah. You know? Even if it wasn't Harbaugh. And by the way, just last thing I'll say on this is that I think a Jim Harbaugh suspension, which is kind of what the rumors are pointing toward, like to me, I think that is baloney. Um, because first of all, you don't have any evidence that Jim Harbaugh actually did anything wrong other than not knowing what was in his program. And the problem is that this affected Michigan's play on the field. If true, even if Connor Stallions was the only one, if it started and stopped with him, it doesn't matter. He cheated and, it and helped because Michigan. of his cheating, it helped Michigan win. And you got to deal with the on-field. It's either got to be taking wins away or keeping them out of the postseason or recruiting. Uh, it has so many levels. It has so many levels of effect. Um, it doesn't years, matter that it wasn't Jim Harbaugh. It doesn't right. matter that it wasn't him. It doesn't matter. If okay. It wasn't and the so OC. you want to talk about lack, lack of institutional control. That, that's where you, that's where you go to, which we land on if Jim Harbaugh. No, like let's on top of it, understand that they, another low-level staffer um like get i don't know if he was arrested but he was called out for like buying an underager alcohol and potentially trying to solicit you know uh, uh, salacious things going on there that was that happened last week they they and michigan fired that that employee i mean, at least it came out last week it may have happened earlier in the season they had to fire that that employee on top of that their co-offensive coordinator earlier this this year is currently being investigated by the fbi 
And now you have not just one cheating scandal by the NCAA bylaws, you have two because you have the 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 hamburger lying incident from earlier, you know, from from the COVID year, but that has come to light and Jim served a Michigan self-suspension. Like if you're Michigan, you already suspended your coach for 3 games this year. And yeah, can you and, imagine if Harbaugh ends up being suspended for like 5 games? Over two it's separate. It's never happened in the history of I mean, college football where a coach has had served two separate suspend, two different suspensions in the same year. Like oh, for if, different you're, violations. if you're Michigan's like upper, you know, their board of trustees, their uh, executive, you know, this, that, or the other, the president, the chancellor, like you're going to vehemently, uh, you know, back this guy who already has serious problems going on in the public eye, and it's just like you're only making it worse if you're threatening lawsuits and you're just you're making them you're making it so much worse and it's all because you know you know why it is because they have a chance to go win a national title title when you know what that kind of stuff does to win a heisman to win a national title do you know what that does revenue wise you know there's so much money on the line here for michigan and uh harbaugh that's why the big 10 and and fox and that's why that's why it matters so much like well, they look, don't care about the cheating so much; they care about the money. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, sad but true. I think uh, I think there's a lot more truth to it than we would like. Um, I think we've I think we beat that horse to, to death. It was worth I have talking a lot about. More yelling to do. I know. I know. No, you're we right. Gotta, we, have to, we have to keep moving. Look, we got to talk Franklin, about the game. And we talk- <laughs> James Franklin was asked about this in his press conference. Have you had to spend more time on signals this year than other years and this week more than other weeks? And here's Franklin's response. I'm going to focus on the things we can control. <laughs> he was asked, hey, it's possible Jim Harbaugh is going to get suspended. What do you know of his status? And do you, you know, will that change anything for you? And he he said, and I think this is a little kind of uh, tongue in cheek. Uh, we're going to focus on the stuff we can see on the film. And by that, I mean the coach's film. <laughs> <laughs> That's a dig, but, That's a dig. but absolutely. But you know, look, a joking um, dig, if anything, I feel like, but still a dig. There, the there's a very, very slight chance that something comes down for Jim Harbaugh that has an effect on game day. But the truth is Michigan is a formidable team. Regardless, as you've already said, Connor Stallions is not going to be on the sideline. He wasn't on the sideline at Purdue and they, they blew Purdue out of the water. This is a very good team. They've been playing well for two straight seasons. And um, yeah, we got to, we got to handle Michigan as they present us with the uh, the challenges that they're going to on the field. And so let's go ahead and and sort of turn away from all of that off-field stuff and, and talk about the on-field stuff. And um, we need to talk about this offense and this defense, both of which are uh, among the best in football right now. Um, so, bro, why don't you take us through a little bit about Michigan's offense and, um, and get us thinking about what we're going to face on Saturday? Well, now that they only have one offensive coordinator back there, uh, his name is Sharon Moore. Um, he actually was also um, uh, suspended earlier this year because of his hand in the Hamburger Gate. Uh, I, I only think can't he, get away from these suspensions. Yeah, that? he was suspended at least I think for the first game. But uh, he's 37 years old. It's his sixth uh, season as a member of the Michigan coaching staff. It's his third season as the offensive line coach. It's first year as the offensive coordinator after two seasons as the co-OC with the other co-OC, Matt Weiss, who was terminated for computer access crimes, being investigated by the FBI. I'll just throw that in there again. Um, and and Mo- Sharon Moore, the current OC, um, has coached the tight ends for the 
for the first three years of his tenure at Michigan between 2018-2020. And as an offensive line coach, uh, he he uh, led the Wolverines to back-to-back Joe Moore Awards in 21 and 22 and becoming the first program in college football history to have the college football's best offensive line in consecutive seasons. Um, so that's actually, a you know, he's... He'd been doing his job very well, obviously, with cheating involved, of course. But uh, <laughs> um, with Moore leading the offense in 21 and 22, um, we, you know, nationally, uh, they ranked uh, in, in in those years uh, eighth, eighth nationally in points per game at 38.8. Sixth, uh, so eighth and sixth in 21 and 22 nationally in points per game at 38.8 and 40.4. Um, and the, the nation's number five, 15th and number fifth run games in 21 and 22. So so that offensive line is still this year a, a, a big time um you know, like it just that's the that's the beauty of their offense is their offensive line, especially when you have the pieces behind the, uh, them that don't make a ton of mistakes, like JJ McCarthy and and these running backs too. Obviously, so, therefore, a big big challenge for Penn State's defensive, defensive line front, and yeah. whole front seven. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, which we were exposed last year. All five all five starters of those offensive lines in twenty one and twenty two have received um, all Big Ten recognition. So so Yikes. that's that's what we're dealing with moving forward they've got a great offensive line and they've they've had the pedigree for several years now um and sharon moore is a big a big uh, reason why um i mean they've got key key guys on their offense um jj mccarthy obviously you know heisman trophy candidate he's got great numbers throughout the season he looks great even away <laughs> and this game is going to be away at happy valley um he's throwing, he's throwing basically 75 percent away and that's against nebraska minnesota um uh, michigan state no ints a passer rating of 199.5 in all his away games um and you know even in the conference he's throwing 73 percent uh completion percentage no ints um and that those no he hasn't thrown a pick since week three against Bowling Green when he threw his only interceptions of the season, which were all three against Bowling Green. Um, he's third in the country in completion percentage at 75.7, second in efficiency at 188, third in yards per pass attempt at 10.3. Um, I mean, he's just, he's he's looking great all year, minus the, that Bowling Green game, which they still obliterated Bowling Green. Um, and, you know, but the, but the problem with those stats are, you have to look at the competition. They have not, they have not faced a good defense or even a great defense for that measure. So you know you got to give it to you know like like at least Ohio State's like well we proved it against Notre Dame and that's kind of how they won that game in similar fashion was like you know they, in the fourth quarter they grinded it down and 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 took it away from us and um you know pushed us out of the uh, get, having the ability to come back and win at the end um and they won in the last basically last second against Notre Dame. Michigan hasn't played that way this year or hasn't had the chance to play that way this year against anybody. JJ McCarthy hasn't had any uh, like, you know, opposition come in and like punch him in the mouth. You know, Drew Aller in in that um Ohio State game leading into Ohio State, he hadn't had to come, you know, from behind and win. He's basically we've been leading almost every game. So that's that's where we got to go uh and and like think about JJ McCarthy here is he hasn't had to prove it this season yet. So Yeah, I mean, in, in a couple of instances last year where he had to be the guy I'm yeah. thinking especially against TCU um, he he couldn't do it, you know. Uh, no, two of, two of, pick sixes in that game. 
Exactly. And so you do hope that maybe now, again, you mentioned their fantastic offensive line. It's going to be a real problem. Um, but we have a stronger defensive front this year than we did last year. And yeah. and maybe we can get to him. Maybe we can make him uh, throw, throw some errant passes. Maybe we can get some turnovers. Maybe we can get off the field. Um, you know, they're very good in third down percentage, uh, second nationally. Um, so, you know, getting Michigan off the field is going to be a real challenge and we're going to have to find a way to do it. Yeah. I mean, and, and getting off the field, it, it, you know, Blake Corum is like their lead dog. He was a Heisman contender last year before he went down with a, a knee injury. Um, you know, it, he's he's a guy that they scorched us for 418 yards last year, him and Donovan Edwards and, and Blake and Donovan Edwards aren't having the same kind of success, uh, at least yardage-wise this year. Um, Blake Corm only has 649 yards, um, but he's still averaging 5.2. He still has a uh, nation-leading 16 touchdowns. He's first in the country in rushing wow. TDs. He's first in the country in total points scored with 96. And by the way, the only other Penn Stater that comes close to that amount of points is our kicker, Alex Falcons, with is 20th in the country <laughs> with uh, points scored <laughs> with 78. A fun little tidbit there. Um, he's also first in the country in total TD scored too. I was, you know, that's not including quarterbacks passing yards or passing touchdowns because they didn't actually cross the goal line with for those touchdowns. So, um, and, but but honestly, kind of similar to how. Um, you know, Nick Singleton is not having his best year, and and, and we thought we'd see more from him. Play, uh, Donovan Edwards uh, uh, this year is not having the same success that he was having last year, um, similarly to Singleton. Um, he only has 232 yards for 3.1 yards per carry, only two touchdowns rushing. But where he is seeing some success is he's the fourth leading receiver on uh, the Wolverines' um, offense. He has 24 catches for 225 yards, 9.4 yard average, no touchdowns, but long of 37. So that means he's when he is in the field, on the field, it's like third and long, and they're finding him out of the backfield, and he's getting to help. He's helping move those chains, and that's that's something. The linebackers that, are going to have to have a yeah, good day absolutely. in coverage. Curtis yeah. Jacobs is going to have to be on him like um, you know flies on you know what. So um, now here's uh, uh, their best wide receiver is Roman Wilson. Um, he's kind having a breakout year. He was he was all right last year. He was pretty good. Um but he is a touchdown like just phenom so far this year. He's tied for 18th in the country in total touchdowns scored with 10. Um that that's fourth in receiving touchdowns in the country with 10. Uh and that ties uh Ohio State's Marvin Harrison Jr. That ties LSU's wow. Malik Neighbors. That ties USC's Brendan Rice, Jerry Rice's son. That ties Oregon's Troy Franklin. They all have 10 and so does Roman Wilson. So they Got a go-to wide receiver, um, you know, making plays for them, and he has 589 yards on 36 catches for 16.4 yard average. So they've got playmakers basically where whenever you need them. You know what I mean? So I mean, it's a it's a very very balanced offense. You know, JJ McCarthy's sure. thrown for, and they haven't had to be on the field a ton because you know they're they're scoring uh, over forty points a game and only allowing less than six points per game. So you know, midway through the third quarter or at the beginning of the fourth quarter, these guys aren't even on the field. Yeah, so. yeah. 
Yeah, and, and we saw some of that against some lesser competition for sure. first half of the season for Penn State, of you course. know, where where Drew Aller's sitting down, you know, halfway through the third quarter. But yeah, they've that's they've been doing that for nine games almost. Um, you know, but they've been thrown um, you know, as a team, they've been thrown for 2314 yards this season. Uh they've had 1500 rush yards, so very balanced, strong in in uh throwing and in rushing and uh, it's going to be a real challenge for our defense. Uh to try to limit their uh, limit their passing attack and li- limit their scoring opportunities. Um, on the flip side, um, we're facing you know not dissimilar to how we faced against Ohio State. Literally one of the best defenses in the country on a lot of different measures. I mean, Penn State is right up there, of course. But you know, I mean, our offense, you know wouldn't do well against our defense probably don't do so well in practice you know and and we're gonna have a really tough day against this um you know top ranked defense in the country uh, among well, let, the top ranked defenses in the country listen here we we gotta like you know clear the air here the big Ten is having a bad year outside of these three teams Michigan Ohio State. That's a fair Penn point. State. There's no one ranked outside of uh, us three, and of course, we're all like basically top ten teams. Um, these defenses, while being great, their numbers are in ours included, Ohio State's included, Michigan's included. These numbers are being inflated by how bad the offenses are that we're facing compared to the yeah, levels of that's a very uh, good the point. level of talent we have on these defenses for all three of these defenses. So it's really tough to say. You know how good Michigan's defense really is. Like, like really. You know, we we certainly did a a pretty decent job containing um, Kyle McCord uh, and their rushing attack. But Marvin Harrison Jr. still was the difference in that game, and we we didn't we didn't have a Marvin Harrison Jr. on our team to do the, do that to uh, Ohio State's defense. Now, does Michigan have a Marvin Harrison Jr. type player who can take over the game? Yeah, That's JJ McCarthy, right. a Legitimately right. better quarterback right. than Kyle McCord. Is he right. going to be a difference right. maker? Right, right. You know? But so is, is their running back? You know, the, Travion Henderson for uh, you know Ohio State. He had a big day, uh, you know, against us, and um, so uh, you know. Is is Blake Corum going to have that kind of a day against they had us? 418 yards against us last year. But let's get back. Sorry, I kind of went off base there. We, we're trying to talk about their the, Michigan's defense. Yeah. All I'm trying to say is that like Michigan hasn't faced any truly competent offenses. And we talk about like, hey, is our offense turned the corner? Has this team turned the corner? Like, is Dante Cephas going to help unlock uh, Drew Aller? And you know, are we going to put it all together for a? You know, we cannot. We cannot repeat what we did against Ohio State against Michigan because they if you give a team who's playing like a front running defense, um, if you give if you let them, you know, see red, you know, and they give them a success early, it's gonna be that much harder to dig ourselves out of a hole as we proved against Ohio State. Now, let's talk about their defense a little bit here. Um, you know, they're they're definitely like elite. Uh, by by all statistical measures, by statistical measures, um, th- this is the, uh, Jesse Minter, the defensive coordinator. This is his second season um, with with Michigan. He actually uh, joined uh, their staff following. Um, 
uh, a season as defensive coordinator and safeties coach at Vanderbilt. Um, and before that, he spent a few seasons as a defensive assistant with your Baltimore Ravens, Andy, coaching the D-backs in 2020. And then last year, he was a Broyles Award finalist after leading a top 10 defensive unit in his first season. Um, and in that 2022 defense, they ranked second, or excuse me, sixth in the NCAA in total defense, seventh in uh, scoring defense, um, fifth in rushing defense, um, and and uh, excuse me, fifth in uh, pass efficiency defense, and uh, seventh in uh, scoring defense and and rushing defense as well. And he was um, Mike Morris, one of their players, was named second team All American, and the defense saw four players earn first or second team All Big Ten honors, uh, and eleven starters earning some form of recognition from the conference. Eleven starters of that defense, and then anyway, so he had three players drafted last year, including first round pick Mazzy Smith. Um, so they lost a couple players, but there's they're just reloading there. Um, they got some some of their key players are defensive linemen uh, Mason Graham and Chris Jenkins. Both those guys are 300 plus pounders that are going to fortify the middle. Uh, each of them have one and a half sacks um, and uh, 20 tackles. Uh, defensive end Josiah Stewart. Um, he's six uh, one two forty five. He's pretty awesome. He has four and a half sacks on the year. There's two other DNs that have at least three sacks: Jalen Harrell and Derek Moore. And then linebackers uh, Junior Colson and Mike. Michael Barrett are both stalwarts back there. Um, Junior Colson has 49 tackles. He's just a tackling machine. And Michael Barrett has 33 tackles, one sack, two forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, and a pass defended. But one of the crown jewels of this defense is Nickelback. Where have you heard this before? Nickelback Mike Sinistral, um, who, who, you know, we we talk about Daquan Hardy having a pretty awesome year so far. This dude is maybe one of the best defensive backs in the country. Sure, you know, if you look at it, he's only got 10 tackles, but the dude has three interceptions, four passes defended. Two of those interceptions are pick sixes of over 70 yards against Michigan State and Rutgers. So, you know, we talk about Drew Aller not making a lot of mistakes. If he wants to throw an interception against Michigan on Saturday, they could make it, you know, hurt quite a bit if we're not careful because that guy is legit. Um, and they got a couple other cornerbacks that are pretty good. But those are some of the some of the guys' names we'll be seeing in the stat sheet come Saturday with that um, that Michigan vaunted defense. I mean, their defense is loaded top to bottom with star players. They have been for the last couple of years. They're playing extremely well as a unit. They're top ranked last year. They're top ranked again this year. Um, You know, what weaknesses do you see? What opportunities do you see? How, I mean, other than the fact that like literally they have. Play sound team football is what they do. You know, yeah. that, that's what they do well is they, they do their jobs well individually so that the collective can play at an elite level, you know? <laughs> Look, the most points given up by Michigan's defense all season was last week against Purdue. They gave up 13 points. Yeah, they're, they're giving up they, less, than, less than six points per game on average. You know. Now, the counterpoint to that is, listen to who they've played. This is an order from the start of the season. East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, Rutgers, Nebraska, Minnesota, Indiana, Michigan State, and Purdue. And the best team of the lot was probably Rutgers, who they beat 31-7. to um, so, you know, it's really hard to get, you know, guess what kind of a, t- I mean, they're obviously a very good team. You don't, 
you don't play that well. You don't hold teams to an average of, you know, under seven points per game. Um, even, even if t- teams are not great, you don't do that if you don't have a great defense. But just how good they're going to be and what it's going to be like when, you know, they face our offensive line, when they face our running backs, when they face who knows what kind of a game Drew Aller is going to have, you know, What's it going to take, bro? I guess you know. I want to. I want to. I want to move to the 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 last part of the conversation. What's it going to take to win this game? FBI apparently thinks we got a better than fifty percent chance, barely, of winning this game. You know, Vegas is saying it's going to be within you know a, a field goal, maybe. What's it going to take to win this game? Well, I, I mentioned in the mailbag that we need to have a wizard-like performance uh, from yes, Drew you did. Aller. You that. And, and I don't mean that he needs to go off for 350 passing yards and four touchdowns. That's not what I mean. I mean, he needs to make timely, smart throws that keeps the chains moving. Um, we, we do. Like, we, there's one way that we can. Let's, let's put it this way. D- did you watch the Rutgers game against Ohio State? I watched some of it, yes. Rutgers controlled the ball. Like they until it all came, you know, unraveling. Like it, they controlled the ball. And when I'm when I say that, what they were doing was every time they had an offensive snap, they let the play clock go down to below five seconds to limit guys like Marvin Harrison Jr. So Penn State, who is uh, by the way the uh, still uh, a top five time of possession team, we are third in the country in time of possession, averaging over 33 minutes per game. It used to be more, by the way. Um, and the Indiana like 35 at one point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, that's that's to me like you know, like if we're not going to be explosive like we have been in years past, that's the other side of the coin of 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 how to control a game is you know and that is that like we we we, we couldn't our defense was always always exhausted in those like 2016 2017 teams we we couldn't keep our defense off the field because we would score so fast and it's like against Michigan like we don't want to play shootout football because and by I, the way I don't think we're, gonna, we're not going to win a shootout against Michigan's defense yeah well and like like uh, you were saying about time of possession and defense being on the field against Ohio State um, our offense wasn't on the field very long because we couldn't do anything with the ball and we were three, going three, three and, and out, out. Three and out. yeah yeah and it could so I agree with you we're going to have to possess the ball and, we're going to have to be methodical with Dante Sivas and you know Tyler Warren and um, whoever else like whoever else is, is starting to come on for us um, we need these guys to, to catch Drew's balls <laughs> we need we need <laughs> we we need the wizard throwing his balls all over Juvenile, the field, but yeah. <laughs> and and we need guys to make you know contested catches. That's what's gonna that's what's gonna take. These guys are gonna be blanketed. So we yeah. we we just that's what we need. We need to control the ball. We need to move the chains, and we can't turn it over. I mean, obviously, all this stuff can be said about any team, anytime. But like against a team like Michigan, the smallest errors can be like the biggest mistakes. You know, I mean, we've already mentioned that that turnover uh, against Ohio State, uh, not the turnover, the the penalty which negated the turnover against Ohio State, like yeah. that very easily could have been the and, thing that, that and you changed mentioned the entire game. You mentioned uh, to me, and I don't think it was when we were uh, talking on on the air, and we could talk about it now. Like, um, you know. W- uh, James Franklin today in his press conference talked about like, um, you know, in that. 
Iowa game, he at the halftime, they they like he went to the, his team and was like, "Hey, he's like, don't like don't get complacent, don't get bored, don't start going off script, don't st-. like it was a very close game still at the half. Like we weren't blowing him out. It was like 13 to to nothing or or even maybe like 10 to nothing at the half. I forget which it was. But we it was not a blowout at that point in time. And Franklin was like, "We right. just need to keep doing the plan. Like still you know, mind your gaps and 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 keep you know blocking the way you block, and 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 the success will come. And and you know, Maryland didn't stopped running the ball at a certain point against us. And look what happened. And that's what. And you told me that's what happened with Penn State against Ohio State. We got away from running the trying to run the ball because we weren't having success, obviously. Um, but that to the tune of we had a couple successful runs. You it's know, true. It's true. We, we did. did have, we did have, especially in the second half, we had a couple successful, successful runs by Singleton. And then it just like our run game vanished into thin air. And and then before you know it, Drew Aller had thrown it forty three times, and we were like. Couldn't possess the ball. Couldn't you know move the ball methodically, and that's what we've been all year is a methodically moving the ball type of offense. And 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 you know happened to Maryland. You know we we were able to pin our ears back. If if Michigan's able to pin their ears back against Drew Aller and this offensive line, and they don't have to respect the yeah, run. Watch out. Yeah, we got that. That's that's how we don't win. Is is going off script and making Drew Aller, you know, force him into situations that didn't look great against Ohio State. Now maybe he's turned a corner from that game and and compared to what he's capable of doing, but it's it'd be a tough ask now, and it's helpful that we're uh, it's a home game. But you you want to talk about the game plan against um, a team like Michigan? You just you you got to play smart football and you got to try and control the ball and keep it a, as low scoring of a game as possible and leave it for your defense to help make plays um, and you know keeping it within one score and and not oh and here's yeah, Franklin, the other thing here's the other thing I'll say is really important Andy starting fast and not getting behind against Michigan like that that you can't. You can't you can't let the wheels fall off out of the gate. There you go. I'm done. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I'm 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 in agreement with all of those things. I would say, you know, while we should be patient and we should make sure that um you know, we we stick to the run game and all that kind of stuff. We also need to avoid being predictable. And oh, I think yeah. that's part of oh, what yeah. the problem was against Ohio State is we, you know, we became predictable um and um I I thought we were really when Maryland was a very well called game, and we were actually throwing on first down on a number of occasions, Drew was hitting his passes, and we were getting into second and third and short, and gave us a lot of opportunity to to move the sticks. And I think you know, uh, you know, against Ohio State, a lot of the runs were on first down, or we would make throw an incomplete pass on first down, and and um, you know we're starting a lot of second and third and longs, and and we need to avoid that. But part of how we're going to do that is by being enough. Being unpredictable enough, breaking some of our tendencies so we can keep Michigan's defense on their heels. Um, but I agree. I think we want to lengthen the game. I should say we want to shorten the game, hold on to the ball as much as possible, and and you know give our offense and our defense a chance to make you know four to six critical plays throughout the course of the season. And um, I, I really think that's going to be uh, uh, you know put us in a, an opportunity. Um, the last thing I'll just say, and um, James Franklin brought this up in his press conference. I, you mentioned it in passing. We've mentioned it before this season. We surrendered 418 yards rushing 
against Michigan last year. Yeah, Manny Diaz has got to clean that up. <laughs> he got to, dude. 418 yards. I mean, I mean, yes, it's got to be cleaned up. And and um, Franklin was asked about that, and he said, look, we're, we're better. Uh, we're more gap sound this year. We're bigger on the line. He thinks we're a, a, a better front seven than we were last year, and I sure hope so. Um, we did go into the that game as the number one rush defense in the country, mm, by the way, similar out of it a long way from <laughs> similar. <laughs> so, um, but, um, but the bigger heading is that, you know, this is a big boy game. This is, this is a, this is a toughness kind of game. This is going to challenge uh, our toughness, uh, not just, you know, when you know the first snap is taken and our line goes up against their line, but it's also like as the last snaps are being taken and we're into the fourth quarter, and are we still going to be, you know, toughing it out in the trenches? You know, and and I think you know if it's a close game going into the fourth quarter. By the way, these are the games that we haven't won recently against Ohio State and even Michigan. You know, we've kind of slipped up at the end. It's a big boy game. You know, Drew's going to have to grow up in this game. Uh, our our offensive line, our defensive line, we're going to have to play tougher. We're going to have to play sharper. We're going to have to play smarter. Um, than we did against Ohio well, State. Well, here, here's um, the, by a long shot, I think. Here's the difference between last year. I think last year Michigan had like, um, like a the, maybe the top, maybe not the top, but like a top ten rushing offense. I think, and I and then that's why it was like, oh, the number one rushing defense versus the number one rushing offense. Maybe those were Big Ten rankings, but but certainly our 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 rush defense obviously was a paper tiger, um, in in that you know in that clash, but. Now we do again have the number one rushing defense, but here's where things are a little different. Um, actually, this year Penn State has a better rushing offense than Michigan. Did you know that? Interesting. So we rank 42nd in the country uh, in yards per game with 173.2 yards rushing per game, and Michigan is 50th in rushing with only 167 per game. Now they have five more rushing touchdowns than us, but you know. It, and they're more efficient um, running the ball than we are in terms of yards per carry. They're four and a half, and we're like just over four. Um, but, you know, it doesn't feel like the same exact rushing attack coming in, even though the same characters and players are there. So I, that's where I maybe give us a little bit more hope in that rushing department uh, and not giving up 400 plus yards rushing. Um, I think this is going to be more on JJ McCarthy's, um, you know, arm to to go ahead and try and beat us. And that's, you know, our secondary hasn't looked good these last few games. Maybe this is like the, this is like the, um, okay, you know, our defense last year sucked in the rushing department. Our def- our passing defense these last few games have kind of like been subpar. And it's like if you're on on this defense, like. Like, what kind of legacy do you want to leave this year? Because you already know what it happened leaving yeah, a legacy it's last your chance. year. This is your opportunity. You know, and, and Manny Diaz is at the center of that. Yeah. Manny Diaz is at the center of that. Like, like I don't know if Manny Diaz is going to be around or not next year. A lot of people think it's possible. Some people think it's not likely. Either way, we all know we like Manny Diaz. Is he going to be able to to prove his worth as a coordinator to, to like, you know, get right in a game that he got wrong last year. So that's, that's, I think, I think that kind of uh, feels like it's possible that Manny Diaz, you know, can prove that in this game. Well, um, you're throwing out a bunch of numbers there, uh, defense versus defense. And uh, we've got someone here to help us go deeper into the numbers. And so Joel Bettner, why don't you come and join us for 
by the numbers. Nerd alert! By the numbers. Nerd alert! By the numbers. Nerd alert! By the numbers. Well, hey, Joel. How you doing, man? Not bad. How are you, fellas? Well, we're doing okay. We're getting ourselves pretty good. in the mood for a pretty big game. Any, and, uh, uh, any lingering sugar better highs? better after Maryland. Any lingering sugar highs from, from Halloween candy? Oh, I haven't had a you know single what? piece uh, of candy. It's all gone. I haven't had a single all piece. Gone. <laughs> As a we father had a bunch of leftovers. Three, yeah. A father of three young kids, I'm, uh, I'm still a little jittery coming down off the, uh, off the sugar high. Well, should we, uh, should we just dive right into to how you guys did last week? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Um, All right. You know, we're in a we're in a winning kind of mood, so I'm I'm curious to know who won. So let me start off with this. We were at Andy with five wins on the season, Tom with two, um, and so this dominating. was dominating. I yeah, like it. Andy bringing the hammer down on Tom. <laughs> so I asked you guys, what will our third down efficiency be? Because we are only at thirty eight point nine percent against Indiana. <clears throat> well, the good news is that we improved. We were seven for fifteen, but it's still pretty ugly with a forty-six point seven percent third down efficiency against Maryland. Andy, you guessed we'd be at fifty percent on the nose. Tom, you one dollar bobbed him and went with fifty point one percent. That's right. Andy with the win. That's right. I actually I think I one dollar bobbed Tom. Correct. And so I, I played it well. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad for that. <laughs> I'll take it. Uh, by the way, just uh, just a quick note on forty six percent not being great. Um, Michigan they do lead the country in third down conversion rate at fifty five point six percent. I'm sorry, that's second nationally. Hmm. Um, so fifty five point five percent is good for second in the nation. So you know, forty six percent is not terrible. I, I felt mean, better watching than it. You made it seem just now. Just for the record, uh, no, it left it left some to be desired. Seven for well, fifteen against Maryland. Anyway. Fifty-one points. I asked you, (laughs) (laughs) what will our yards per rush be? We had three point one yards per rush against Indiana. Again, here's some good improvement. We went to four point three yards per rush. Yeah. You guessed three point four. Tom, you guessed three point five. Tom with the win. I was definitely feeling pessimistic about this game when we were talking about it. Absolutely, uh, it didn't turn out that way. It did not turn out that way. And then I asked you guys, will Maryland have more or fewer passing yards against us as compared to Ohio State? They had 196 yards of passing when they played Ohio State. Do you guys know how many yards they had against us? I wasn't paying attention. But they had a good passing game. Andy, you guessed that they would have less against us. Tom, you guessed they'd have more than 196 against us. Uh-huh. They threw for 283 passing yards. It's, that a pretty it's all solid they, day it's all they could, game. It's all they could do. It's all they had, though. It's all when they had. When yeah, you have negative 40-something negative yards. Negative 49, 49. yeah. yeah. Um, they're just I really wanted to be the, like negative 50. Like yeah. past the, I, I'm, I'm bummed that we didn't get the, the half-century mark. But anyway. <laughs> but anyway. That uh, concludes it. Tom taking two of three this week. Mm, and Tom, nice. another notch Man, in the winning I'm column. So Andy, I got to make sure I don't let you back I'm in. Clawing my way back. We have we have how many games left now? Three, right? And you, you could go I undefeated could and it. take the win. I the could take win. it. I'm going to take it. <laughs> <laughs> this week's by the numbers. It's a big week, boys. Uh, yeah. And the, I really hope, I hope that our crowd turns out they show up and they, they really bring the hammer down 
Tom. It's Beaver Stadium's well, biggest game in a very long time. Maybe since that 2016 well, Ohio State game. Exactly. So what yep. will the official attendance in Beaver Stadium be? Oh, psh. Exa- down to the Jeez. down to the last person. I want official oh, attendance gosh. number. All right. What's the what's the attendance record? I think is a relevant question. I'm looking it up right now. Uh, it's the highest. The, the the largest. The largest uh, is um, Penn State Whiteout 2018. One, one to 110,889. Wow, I believe. Yeah, there we go. And the official capacity is 106.572. Okay, so now that we know that, um, you can you uh, let's put it this way: Do you think Andy is it's going to be the biggest like attended game in Beaver Stadium history? I certainly has an opportunity to be. I didn't ask if it has the opportunity. I have my doubts. It's the middle of the day. I, I think it's. I think it is going to be Penn State's highest attended game in history. So I am going to go. Hey, who's up? Who's up? Sorry, who's up? You are Dan. Tom. Okay. Tom's up. So I'm going to go one hundred and ten thousand eight hundred and ninety. One ten. Now it's about if Andy believes Andy. that it could be or not. Because I'm out, maybe I'm outsmarting him. <laughs> maybe I'm forcing him to go one dollar. Eight eighty nine or eight ninety one. What do you believe, Andy? <laughs> I'm gonna hundred ten thousand eight eighty nine. You're gonna say the exact right. same. You're going what? You think it's gonna be the exact nope. same as the? You said eight ninety. Oh, I did, but now, you said eight eighty nine is the already established highest attendance oh, mark. Yeah. <laughs> No, I'm just one dollar bobbing you. I, I know. mean, I know. Well, you're an idiot. <laughs> uh, I, I, yeah. I think it because it's a November. Thank you for that. I think because it's a November game, they're just we're just not going to quite have this, the attendance. This fan base is. I hope ravenous. We, I hope we have hundred eleven thousand five win, and like it's, the we weather have. is going to hold out, and it's going to be a fifty degrees on a November day. That's like great weather. They're going to turn out for this. They're gonna show up. I hope. Uh, I hope it's one hundred eleven thousand. But I, I think it'll. Be I'm very fun. glad you went under. I, I think it's stupid a, of you. I think it's been a big mistake by Fox to make this noon. <laughs> oh, I don't disagree and with I that. I think that's gonna I, affect I, our, and, and our. By the way, the World Series over. You could flex our, this if you're Fox. You can flex this to any hour you want. Let's move on to question two. Last year, it's no secret that Michigan just tore us up on the ground, right? And I went, I was looking at it, and they've actually had more passing yards in the past four games than they've had rushing yards. The last time they had more rush yards was when they played against Nebraska. So their their passing game is, and it's been like a significantly more passing yards. Um, so Andy, will Michigan have more rushing yards or more passing yards against us? Passing. You think they're going to keep keep the trend of passing even against yeah, our, our defense traditionally been... strong uh, secondary? Yeah, well, our defense has been extremely good against the run this year. Um, Michigan's been less good against the run than they were last year, and our passing offense has been a little suspect the last few games. Right. So I think our I think a rush D is going to hold steady, and I, I think it's going to put the onus on the the passing defense. I think Michigan will have a little bit of success in the passing game. All right, I'll I'll, I'll agree with Andy on that. It's going to be passing. I think with our sacks, absolutely. I think we're gonna they're gonna have less rushing 
uh, num- number rushing yardage than than passing. I just yeah, I can see that going on. They have not been as potent. Okay. Um, now the next question, uh, we've we've clearly we've struggled to run the ball, um, and they've got a great run defense. You mean Will struggle Penn to run State the ball against them, or str- struggle in general? Are you referring to the whole season? We have struggled in general. Okay. We've just we've struggled in general, and, and they have a particularly strong running defense. Uh, will we have more than a hundred rushing yards? Uh, oof. I am going to hey, listen. If they go with Katron as our bell cow on this one, I think it's possible, but I don't think likely either way. So I'm going to say we do not have as a team. We do not have a hundred yards rushing. Which sucks to say. Okay. Really? I locked oh, it in. No, I, we definitely will. And you are We're going to need it. In, in order to win, it will certainly help, but it's tough. It's tough. That's going to be a critical a critical win-loss uh, uh, question there in terms of <laughs> how this uh, goes, you know, how it plays out for next week in terms of finding out who won the be- by the numbers. All right. Yeah, I mean, it's possible which of us answers that question correctly is going to determine whether Penn State wins or loses. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, now the I'm putting the over under at two and a half touchdowns for Aller with his arms or legs. Um, Andy, are you going over or are you going under? Oh, this is a that's a good over under mark, by the way. Because I definitely think that the total score could toggle between for Penn State could toggle between fourteen and twenty one. Yep. So by picking the over, you're saying Drew Allers had a very very good day um, when you're playing a team like Michigan. Um, Don't forget if you're taking the under. You're you're saying uh, scoring is a problem um, outside Kay of maybe some rushing touchdowns. Uh, but we also we, we are very likely to do the the tush push when we get down in that end zone. Hmm. Which yep. puts uh, I'm all, going all over. Legs. I'm going over, and he's being the optimist with the over, Tom. That's ballsy. I'm going to go under. All right. I hope, it, I hope then, it's over. I hope I get all these wrong. If, if you know, in terms of you know, I would love to see Aller <laughs> throw for four yeah. touchdowns again, or have one rushing so and three what, passing. What okay. will we be ranked in the CFP after this week? Um, <laughs> I mean, you're basically after asking the us Michigan to say who game, won the game. After the well, Michigan game. Not only that, but yeah, after the Michigan game, what will we be ranked in the CFP, not the AP, the CFP, what will we be ranked? And yeah, I'm asking you, if we win, how high do we move up? And if we lose, how far, far do we fall down? Oh, boy. You realize we won't be able to get the full answer to this question until after we record next week. Yeah. Mm. Well, that's too bad. <laughs> we will well we'll know who's going to be wrong if somebody selects us to win right like when you know so okay i get it That's we're gonna have to do it anyways and we can we can if, if it's tied up to that you know when we record next week if it's tied up to question five we can find the tiebreaker we'll at, a, wait at a later on the results date. yep we'll wait on the results we'll be a mail-in yep. ballot um okay who's who's up first on this i think this is you bro okay listen i'm picking a penn state victory i got my my smiley joker face on for this week um <laughs> <laughs> so i'm gonna say penn state is ranked fourth fourth that's wow. a big jump i mean you beat it all right you beat a top 10 undefeated top five undefeated top four top three undefeated team in the country who's favored to win 
You, they got they got to let you in. Your your only losses to the number one team on that same poll, and it was only by one score, an eight point score, an eight point difference on the road at Ohio State. So if the if the the committee has any conviction about what it means to be a resume, like you know, they, they, Ohio State to me does not deserve to be a number one team, but they gave it to them based on their resume. And if they want to look at us the same way as far as resume, beating the number three team. Um, you know, with a Heisman Trophy caliber quarterback and the number one scoring defense in the country, yada, 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 yada. Like, you got to put us in the top four, especially with Florida State looking like almost losing to Boston College and so on and so forth. I'm saying fourth. It's fair. All right. Let's, uh, Andy. I so hope you're right. And yet, I don't think you will be even if we win. But even if we lose, I think I have a good chance of winning this question when I say five. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> because you're, because yeah. there are currently five undefeated teams in the country right now. So, um, you know, if they all... Uh, Washington they almost, all has almost, week, almost lost to, like, Stanford. Dude, I, look. Uh, that's true. No, all of our wins even are if we blowouts are ahead of Washington, for, oh, No, no. They, 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 even if Washington falls, we'll still only be five. So, um, I mean, Georgia could lose to Ole Miss. I mean, you could have two losses for sure, but, um, I, I really think it would be, I really think it would be a like a criminal of them to, to have us be the, not the highest ranked one loss team in the country. It would be criminal. Even if we were the highest ranked one loss team right now, we would be six. We'd have the best win of, of any team in the CFP poll. I'm not. Really arguing with you. you I just are. think it's you are uh, arguing. Exa- that is the unlikely. definition of arguing is you disagreeing or giving me other points as to why I'm wrong. <laughs> uh, hey, I think we can move on with our game predictions. <laughs> and Andy, what is your yeah. official game prediction? Does he have Kool Aid stained lips or is he going to go? Uh... <laughs> Do you know uh, the the lowest point score that Michigan has for the season so far? It's 30 points against East Carolina. It's their lowest Harbaugh offensive. Was, Harbaugh was suspended. They couldn't get a First going. game of the season. <laughs> um, against Bowling Green and Rutgers, they scored 31. They have not scored less than 30 points all season, um, but they haven't faced a defense like Penn State. We held Ohio State to 20. Uh, at, at Ohio State. Keep reminding that. At Ohio State. I think we win this game. 24 to 17. I was, I, that was a score I was working with, possibly. I think being at home is going to play a major role in this game. And everything Andy said, I absolutely agree with. Uh, but I think it's going to be 21 to 17. And we're going to hold, it's going to be, you know, we are the most points we've allowed all season is 20. We're not going to allow more than 20. Um, you know, in, at home, I, I just I, Michigan's not the same team they were last year. Things aren't firing the same exact way. I believe in this. I believe in uh, Manny Diaz's ability to to figure it out after last year's dismantling of his, um, you know, rush defense. So I, I'm I'm saying 21-17, and and we, you know, win by you know a field goal. You know, I mean, well, not not by a field goal, but like we win by 3 points and and that I just I think that we'll get it done. I do. You do realize you 
predicted us to win by four points, right? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I, my my bad, my bad. We went by more than a field goal <laughs> points wise. Yeah, I got a lot of numbers in my head right now. It's it's been a long podcast as you as you've outlined, and it's been a long uh, season so far for us Penn Staters. It's just you know running a podcast, just so many dang numbers up here in my brain. But all right, we got it locked in. Andy twenty four to seventeen, good guys. Tom twenty one seventeen, good guys. Uh, have you been keeping score of what of who of Andy and I's score predictions this year? Do you know what our who's winning in that department? We have to figure that out for, uh, for next week. And, and yeah, we'll figure that out, out for next week because now you know after this we'll only have two games left, and I need to know I need to know which one of us is the best bro. I'm still winning. Whatever whatever that result is, I'm winning by the numbers five to three, and I feel good about my responses for this week. How, I think I've how nice positioned myself well good. for the win. How nice. Tom, you could this 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 week taking it. is a huge week for you. Either, I'm gonna either do Andy's it. gonna double you up or you're gonna come within one. Yeah, that's right. Uh-huh. That's why, that's why I play the hey, game. Same for Penn State. Yep. Exactly. Same for Penn State. True. This is this is a season-defining win. It's a uh, career-defining win, perhaps for for James Franklin. It would be historic win and put Penn State on track to uh, possibly be in the playoffs. You know, for the first time ever there that there's ever been either a BCF or a college football playoff. Um, so yeah, it's big for it's Tom. Been, it's big for Penn State. It's big for all of us. Four decades <laughs> of waiting for a, uh, a possibility of us of Penn State joining the ranks of of the elite. <laughs> uh, Joel, thanks for joining us for another round of By the Numbers. Really appreciate having you. We will see you fellas soon. Andy, another thing about Michigan here, they have thwarted a season for us more than a, a couple of times, I, and namely that 2005 season, the Lloyd Carr putting seconds back on the clock. We need to we need to like take it to Michigan for all the years that they've returned the favor. Yeah, all the years <laughs> that they've ruined it for us. Like we we're doing it for for former Penn State teams. We're doing it for the rest of the Big Ten. We're doing it for the rest of college football who has had it up to here with Harbaugh and the, all these scandals that are going on. We we just got it. We got to get it done. Franklin's got to get it done. Got to happen. Well, we will find out. We've got a few days of uh, behind-the-scenes drama, and then we've got a Saturday of college football that is one of a few that we wait for all year. Penn State will be taking on the Wolverines of Michigan in Beaver Stadium at noon this Saturday, November 11th. I can't wait. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm crossing my fingers and my toes and my arms and my legs. I'm going to wear my whiteout outfit, cheering on the team from home. Uh, but um, I'm I'm really excited, um, hoping for the best. Um, and bro, whatever happens, I'm really glad that you'll be there with me. Uh, everyone, that'll do it for us. Thanks for sticking with us for an exceptionally long podcast episode. <laughs> um, as you go, do your own thing. Uh, go back to your life. <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe, follow, share this podcast with your friends, write a review, send us an email, blueandwhitebrothers at gmail.com. And by this time next week, um, the season's story will largely have been written and we'll get to talk all about it once again. Until then, bro, it always starts with I love you. And it ends with I love you. We are Penn State. (laughs) 
Thanks for listening to the Blue and White Brothers. Join us next time for another great episode about Penn State football. Want to make sure you don't miss an episode? Be sure to hit subscribe before you go. And if you enjoyed the show, please don't hesitate to give us a five-star review with overwhelming words of adulation and praise. 